0: Hello everybody, welcome to Here Comes the Spider-Cast number 20. This is your co-host Mike L, and as always I'm joined by...
1: Joshua Mervell, and today we're going to be looking at Spider-Man comics from January 1982. Uh, We're going to be starting off with The Amazing Spider-Man number 224, then moving on to Marvel Team-Up 113, and then we're going to finish things off with Peter Parker, The Spectacular Spider-Man number 62.
0: That's right, and um, I consider this to be the beginning of phase two of the podcast because, lo and behold, Roger Stern has finally moved over to Amazing Spider-Man. Right, right?
1: we can we can say goodbye to Denny O'Neill. Yes, and well, I, I definitely welcome this new era of Spidey comics that we're going to be. Yeah, uh, I, I mean,
0: I haven't read every Spider-Man comic, but I would say for at least the first. 25 years or so Denny O'Neill's got to be the weakest writer to ever do the title that's my opinion
1: yeah yeah I, I, I can definitely agree with that
0: <laughs> so anyway without picking <laughs> on the guy we're gonna we're gonna try and be positive here and we're gonna mm-hmm. move on to you know better things and let's so let's talk about this issue of amazing spider-man um, we've got a great cover here unfortunately it's marred by one of those infamous um, banners at the top that says <laughs> win a Columbia 10-speed racer Formula 10. Details right. inside. So bar- besides that, we've got an excellent cover here with the Vulture and Spider-Man. What do you think of this cover?
1: I, I really like it. Um, I love the, the silhouette of uh, uh, tombs in the background. He's kind right. of like uh, lit in this like pinkish glow. Mm-hmm. Um, and it kind of shows that like you're going to be focusing a little bit more on maybe his character rather than the Vulture. Oh, good and point. And then I also do love... That there are multiple vultures Mm -hmm. surrounding uh, Spider-Man, almost like, uh, like, like a bunch of vultures would do if they're waiting for like an animal to die or uh, Ah, prey to kind of fall, so they can all go and attack. So I actually kind of, uh, I really like that. It's a pretty cool idea.
0: And we should also point out that I mean, yes, Roger Stern is the new writer, but John Romita Jr. thankfully is still still penciling the series. Right. right. He is teamed up with a new inker, Pablo Marcus, who I've definitely come across his name hundreds mm-hmm. of times, but I'm not overly familiar with him. But I mean I think his inks here are fine. What do you think? Yeah.
1: Yeah, I right. think they, yeah. they led well to uh Romita Jr.'s work, so I think uh, he did a pretty good job in this issue. Um, All right, I, I will so, yeah. say so, yeah. uh actually though, I, I really like John Romita Jr. and uh, I think that this comic is Actually really great with a lot of the layout and the storytelling through the art. Okay. Um, But the first panel on original page two, digital three with Aunt May. Aunt May
0: looks terrifying. Okay, let me see here. (laughs) Oh, um, okay. Yes. Uh, I have pointed this out before that John Romita Jr., God bless him. um, He sometimes doesn't care if his characters look pretty. Yeah, he, he and and especially in his '90s style, he draws some pretty grotesque faces and some grotesque anatomy. And this is kind of an example where, unfortunately, Pablo Marcus is not pretty prettying up his pencils. And so, yeah, like you said, that, that's kind of an ugly shot, of man. Right. right. I mean,
1: <laughs> even her hand holding the phone, like she has these uh, really pointy claws, almost. Right. Right. Like, yeah, she she looks very disheveled and like tired like the the lines under her eyes don't look like bags they or wrinkles they look like bags under her eyes so i think that kind of makes me like like feel even further that it's like a gross image of aunt may
0: yeah i think it's kind of like pablo marcus is emphasizing the wrong wrong things like you know, there's a way to make a a face or a figure look good and unfortunately he's not doing it here.
1: Right. And the, um, even like the pointy chin too. Right, right. Like it's so exact. It's a little too exaggerated, I think. Right. Um I mean even looking at the picture next to it of Aunt May in the next panel, I don't think mm-hmm. it looks bad.
0: No, yeah, you're right. You're like right. it
1: looks a lot better than the first one, for, but for yeah, for some reason.
0: Well, also that first if one you was- if you go, if you look at the shadow on Aunt May's nose there on digital page three, and then go down to the, the close up of Peter's face, I, right. will, I will say that that is a very un, like, I'll say it's an un Jim Mooney esque face. That's clearly the work of a different inker. Like, that's right. so distinct. And as far as I understand it, John Romita Jr. was only doing layouts at this point, he wasn't doing full pencils. So I think a lot of those details. Uh, we owe to Pablo Marcus. So yeah. he's definitely imprinting his own style in here, which is fine, but yeah, it's just not quite as appealing as previous inkers, right? Yeah. And and you know what, I actually
1: like the uh the the panel with the close up of Peter Parker. I thought yeah that one works and it's uh definitely much more pleasant to look look at than the Ant May one.
0: Sure, absolutely. Yeah. And you know, I gotta say, I mean I can only assume that this isn't just a layover from Spectacular Spider-Man, but that Roger Stern knew that he was writing amazing. And so I think he kind of does a little bit of a fresh start here. So mm-hmm. we start off with a pretty basic, like, okay, here's Peter Parker, here's Aunt May, here's the status quo, right? And then right. here we go, the most basic of all superhero plots, a bank robbery, right? Which he can foil. So right. for a new reader, this is kind of a really good opening, a really simple, you know, way to open up the story. What do you think?
1: Yeah, uh, I think. Uh it really shows uh, that Spider-Man's kind of like at the top of his game. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a little introduction. I think that he talks about um, having to balance his personal life and, you know, his superhero life a little bit. Right. And then he it kind of jumps into him saving the day with the bank robber. So uh, I definitely think it was a fun, nice little introduction. And uh, it also... Uh, Leads into the story later on when uh, Parker is trying to develop those pictures, and then Jay Jonah Jameson bursts in. Right, good so point, there's right. kind of a, a good reason for him. Like, oh man, the, the, I just saved the day, and I took pictures of it, and now the ruins. So I've got to go do something else. And it just right. so happens that uh, I think Robertson uh, runs in, and he says that the the vulture's loose again. So he's off to go. Uh, save the day and that's how it kind of ties in with that story so I think it works because he sets up spider-man and then it also um, gives spider-man a nice in to go save the day
0: right right and then but before we get to that part I love the way I gotta say I love the way they reintroduced the vulture here because there's just something about the way that roger stern took took what is this one two three three full pages just to introduce his status quo. You yeah, know, he's injured. He's in a hospital. He's talking to the security guard, and just look at about how much detail uh, he puts into setting up. Like, oh well, this is like a rehab—not a, not a rehab, but a um, re, you know, like a physical rehabilitation kind of area. Right. And he's talking about, and just the fact that he he establishes the details of exactly what's going on. And then, you know, he's like, you know, and the technicians haven't finished connecting all the Magno electronics yet. It's obviously, I don't know if that's quite accurate as far as reality, but I don't really care. At least there's an attempt there, right?
1: Right. Yeah. It's, it's something to set up uh, a reason or like a, a, an in for the vulture to, to make his escape. right? Right. Right. It's not, it's not just something that's kind of thrown in.
0: Exactly. Like he
1: just finds his suit or something. Like, right. oh, I've got my suit. It, like, it's it's kind of a cool way to uh, have him escape and uh, reintroduce this character. Which uh, is, yeah. I mean, it's even a, a, for a, even for people who don't know who the Vulture is, like, mm-hmm. this is a great um, kind of reintroduction. Like, you don't really get much of his backstory, but you kind of get the gist of who he is as a person. Exactly. Um, and, uh with the almost like reintroduction of Spider-Man at the beginning too. I think this is like a really great entry point for somebody who wants to read a Spider-Man comic.
0: Exactly. And we also get introduced to Nathan Lubinsky, who's Aunt May's, you know, sort of boyfriend at this point, right? Right. So he is tied into the story as well. So again, we go back to that whole thing about how a really good Spider-Man story always ties in his private life, right? Which is with his superhero life. Yeah. So we've got that here. So yeah, so we've got... So, of course, you know, this almost reminds me of something that Lex Luthor would do, but uh, um, Adrian Toomes is left to his own devices, and of course, he's able to construct a, a, a ramshackle version of his vulture suit, just with what's laying around, which I think <laughs> right. is awesome, right? And then he yeah. escapes, and of course, and then he's at large again, which I think is so cool. Then we go back to that scene you mentioned of him um, developing the photos, and we get some, again, some funny stuff with, uh, what's his name, Lance Bennon and Bannon, right. you know, so that's pretty cool, Um and then from there, then we go to, um, what's his name? The vulture, um, basically ro- doing some more, uh, bank robs or bank robberies. Right.
1: Right. And, and um, I really love, uh, there's one shot, uh, one panel on page original page 12, digital 13. Okay. Uh, it's the last panel there. It's just a silhouette of the mm-hmm. vulture. Um, but they always show him in silhouettes, uh, and I think that that has to do with, again, going back to the vulture motif where, like, a lot of times when you see vultures, you don't ever see them close up. You sure. always see them uh, in the sky circling. And when sure. they're up in the sky, the sun's behind them. So they're always kind of cast in shadow. And it's just uh-huh. the silhouette that you see kind of circling. So I, I, I'm really loving that, uh, uh, that they're putting him in, uh, in shadows all the time. That's a good point it's because, really
0: cool. the, yeah, even on the original page 13, the middle panel at the top, he's a he's a silhouette or a shadow, sorry. The bottom right, it's another shadow. Right. So, yeah, you're right. That's a really good way of uh, depicting him. Mm-hmm. Um, we also get some, I, I got to point out, we get some classic ugly John Romita old man faces in here. Like, I just want to jump back to, um, sorry, page, <laughs> page uh Whereas this digital page eight, original page seven, like the okay. close-up shots of uh, Vulture's face. He just looks so like grotesque, you know, like his yeah, jaw I, and
1: nose. I don't mind it for the Vulture. No,
0: I love it.
1: Yeah. Uh, I think it definitely fits with his character. Right. I love that he has like this gross, like hooked nose. Right. That looks like a Vulture's beak. Exactly. He, like the way his neck kind of bends up even looks like a Vulture's neck, like the mm-hmm. long like crooked neck I think it's yeah really cool
0: I agree this is all good stuff here Mm -hmm. um I, I just love how he then he goes back to his apartment and he you know gets back into his regular clothes and it's just I don't know this has just got a real classic Spidey feel to it the whole issue I love it you know yeah And then we jump to Spider-Man swinging over the city, bouncing around on rooftops, you know, classic Spider-Man stuff again. Then he goes to visit Mm -hmm. Aunt May, get some of that in there. And then, of course, uh, actually,
1: uh, real quick while we're talking about him bouncing around in this issue, particularly, I really love that they use the action lines to, like, make your eye follow to the next panel. Like the action really flows well. Uh, on that page you were talking about, original 15, digital 16, mm. uh, Spider-Man in like the middle top panel, he's like bouncing and you see a bunch of arcs yes. and that arc is l- leading right to where Spider-Man is in the next panel. And I think it just flows so well. Good um, point. Yep. I think earlier on when he's stopping the bank robbers too, there was something that uh, really made me like...
0: At the beginning? Really
1: yeah. Oh, it well, was uh, it was when he was doing a backflip off the table after hanging up, uh, with Aunt May on page two. He flips and the, like the the action lines lead directly to the action lines where he bounces into the bathroom.
0: Yeah, that's true. Yeah,
1: it's so good. Like I I really love that. It's it's small. It's not super important, but I think that it really adds something to the. Uh, to the storytelling in the art that you can follow the action of what's happening and you can see you can almost picture it exactly how he's jumping. Good point. Where a lot of the times it's just kind of like Spider-Man in the air and then the next panel is him landing on the ground and you're just like oh yeah he must have flipped or done something to get there.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. They're able to kind of tell that story without uh, showing you every single step he took.
0: It's also fascinating because I listened to an interview with John Romita Jr. uh, last summer, and I remember him saying that his style, the style that he developed, is a deadline style. So basically, he just learned how to make deadlines. Now, I'm not saying Hmm. that it's kind of like he's only putting as much detail as you need to tell the story, put it that way. Right. You know, like any professional TV, uh, you know, episode director has to learn how to tell a story but also how to get the episode in on time and if you're going to be a professional comic book artist for marvel or dc that's how you've got to draw and as we know john romita jr in his whole career i don't know if he's ever been late with an assignment Contrast that with other artists who are notoriously late like there are comics published in the 90s and the 2000s that we're still waiting to see completed because the right. artists haven't finished them but like john romita you know again not only is he one of my favorite artists but he always gets the job done and he's a great storyteller like I don't know there's just so many reasons I like him you know
1: right he, he he's learned how to uh, properly tell a story through art and he's efficient about it right I think that's the key right is he it's not his work isn't muddled and muddied with all of this extra detail and uh, like fluff it's right. very straight to the point the uh the figures are very like structured and you can see uh what they're doing the action lines and the action themselves is very straightforward uh when it's like buildings or set pieces everything feels like it's properly laid out and where it's supposed to be and it doesn't really jump around or change right i I really think that he uh has like a uh a strong understanding of storytelling through art and he's just kind of honed his craft so well that he's able to meet those deadlines and and you know continue to tell these stories over and Absolutely. over again
0: Absolutely. And you want to talk about storytelling, let's go to page page um original page 16. Okay. He's enters the, you know, whatever the cafeteria is of this of this place and he's walking towards the table where Nathan is playing cards. And we just see an arm on the left side. And he's getting closer and closer. And then his spider sense is going off, right? We don't know why. Right. Flip the next page. It's the Vulture, right? As Adrian Toomes shaking his hand. Right. I love that introduction there.
1: It's very good.
0: Yep. Now, one thing that I got to admit that's a little bit awkward here is I can't tell if Vulture knows who Spider-Man is. Like, why does he pull a gun on this guy?
1: He says that he he uh he saw Peter's face and realizes that Peter recognized him as the vulture.
0: Okay, he says
1: because I don't think that like Toomes doesn't have a secret identity like the vulture right. is Tombs, and Tombs is the vulture, correct? Like Mhm. I I guess that's kind of like a weird line that they don't really cross. Right. Because they they definitely call him Tombs at the beginning when he's going through therapy.
0: Right, right, right. So I'm not sure. It's a little bit awkward, but it's not not terrible, but it's just sort of a a moment where I was just a little bit confused, but that's okay. Uh, You know
1: what? Maybe that's also why they always cast him in shadow too when he's doing stuff is Mm -hmm. like he's always kind of – lunging down from the sky so you never really get a good look at him sure sure i don't i should look through this again and see if well, there's any moments where like the vulture at like tombs as the vulture has any interactions with anybody yeah face to face
0: well, I mean, we're definitely um, we we find out at the bottom of page eighteen that he, he definitely doesn't know the Peter Parker Spider Man because right. right he's like oh well you know I, I Peter Parker left and now I'm here one of those typical ridiculous things but that's okay <laughs> right so then um so then we get a, so then we get like a little fight scene between the two in this rest home or whatever it is which is kind of cool mm-hmm. I get, and then we get another slightly awkward storytelling scene where Vulture sort of grabs uh Nathan. And is threatening to uh, kill him. But then he acknowledges that he doesn't realize that it was him. Now, I don't know if that was added in later with dialogue. You know, it was kind of an awkward moment because he's like, he's like, "What, Nathan, he's like, I didn't know that it, I grabbed you. I just reached for the closest warm body. I, again, I don't know if that was just added later in dialogue because it was a little bit confusing because then right. two panels later, he just sort of tosses him back to Spider-Man. So a little bit weird, but not bad. What's yeah.
1: Um... I kind of took it that um it like it was done on purpose like that was their way of uh ending the fight was he realizes that he's hurting somebody that's helped him Sure. So he decides to just kind of escape instead but uh it's definitely I I don't dislike it. I not that but it's also not that I like really loved it. Sure. Yeah. Um but it was definitely a a new kind of take on ending a story or ending a conflict. I guess it kind of
0: shows he another dimension to the vulture, right? Right. He's yeah. Completely ruthless.
1: Right. He's a little human. Like if the people that he cares about, he he cares about. He's not being evil just to mm-hmm. be
0: evil. Right. Right. So yeah. So then that pretty much wraps up that Spidey turns back into Peter. Gets reunited with Aunt May and everybody, and we yeah, sort I, of have a happy ending, sort of. I
1: love how nonchalant he is when he comes back. Yeah. Looks like I missed all the excitement. Yeah. <laughs> like, Peter, what happens? Like, oh, yeah, Vulture tied me up, and Spider-Man saved me. No big deal. Awesome. <laughs> like was, That's
0: like a classic Superman, Clark Kent type thing. Yeah, right? it
1: is. Yeah.
0: So, and then it kind of ends again. It's a done in one right? So, right. a perfect introduction, a perfect jumping on point for Spider-Man. So, there you go. A great issue. I definitely recommend this issue. What about you? Oh, for sure. Yeah. Classic Spidey. I love it. Yeah. Okay, so now we'll go... We'll jump over to Marvel Team-Up number 13... Or, sorry, 113. Now, I've actually already reviewed this on Quasar Quinology. So, I know this issue inside and out. So, I will let you take it from here, Josh.
1: Okay. Yeah, so we have uh, Spider-Man teaming up with Quasar in this comic. Uh, We first see Spider-Man kind of run into him when his spider sense goes off and he jumps down on this Project Pegasus van and right. after after seeing that first splash page and I saw the big van with the horse on it mm. I was like oh here we go we're going to get back into like some nerdy quasar being yeah. like yeah. <laughs> being like a police officer almost uh-huh. and yeah it was, it was uh, it was really fun we have uh oh I can't remember this this uh the Living Light—is that what his name is?
0: Living Laser.
1: Living Laser. Yes. Uh, so we have him. He's trapped in one of Quasar's bands, and he takes over Quasar. Uh, and he's uh, trying to find a cure, I think.
0: Uh-huh.
1: And, uh huh. Quas- and Quasar ends up uh, pushing him out of the band, and he becomes human again.
0: And oh, sorry, he's like light- the end of it. No, I was wrong. It's Lightmaster. Lightmaster, okay. right? Living laser. I think it's a different character, but anyway. And you know what? I gotta say, I reviewed this issue with my friend Marshall and his son, and there is a there's a one part that we could not figure out because I, it, it's completely confusing. So Quasar is battling Light or uh, Lightmaster, <laughs> right? And then all of a sudden, because Lightmaster has come out of his quantum bands, and then all of a sudden. They're standing there talking to each other, and then Quasar is like, his energy crawling up my arm. I'm going numb all over. And then the next thing you know, we just don't see Quasar. Like, now it's just Lightmaster for, like, the rest of the issue.
1: Right. I I assumed that he was, like, completely engulfed by...
0: Uh, Lightmaster?
1: Lightmaster.
0: Sure, but it's just weird they don't show it, though, you know?
1: They... I think that they do. Isn't there like a couple of panels where you see Yeah, so on original 13 you see that it's uh Lightmaster and you can see the silhouette of Quasar.
0: Okay, yes, you're right, you're right. But it so is you, weird that they didn't show that moment where that happened, you know?
1: Yeah, they they definitely don't set that up where uh you see Quasar inside like when it first happens.
0: Mhm. Mhm. Um, exactly. That's what I mean, yeah.
1: Yeah. They don't let me let me go back to where it first happens. Yeah, you don't really see it. No,
0: so it's a little bit confusing. So yeah, so Spider Man then he starts fighting the Light Master in Quasar's body, but it looks right. just like an outlet of a guy, uh, outline of a guy. And um, again, I I went over this ad nauseum with Marshall because he couldn't figure out the plot. But um, right. so so beyond the big fight scene, so what happens after that? Um. Spider-Man
1: goes and uh, he gives himself a little upgrade to his suit. These uh, polar lenses, polarized lenses that uh, will help from being blinded. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, Quasar and Lightmaster have like a little uh, internal battle where they're kind of like fighting for power.
0: Right, and then right.
1: Quasar, he says some like space jargon. Uh, I've already learned that it's futile to contend with him for control of my power bands. My only alternative is to shut myself down. There, I've turned off <laughs> each transmitter crystal and expunged whatever uh, reserved energy remained. Like, I didn't even realize there were crystals and stuff in the bands. Like, they just look like big golden bands. Are those, like, yeah, bubbles um... on the bands crystals?
0: I don't know. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but but the thing is, is that I, I know that he was, he's like, the reason he's called quasar is because his bands access the power of quasars. So I guess right. that's how he draws the energy through these transmitter crystals, right?
1: Right. I don't uh, yeah, really know. It, it definitely, it makes sense. I guess they didn't describe it well here and I just never really uh, thought of them as crystals. So that's why I was like, sure. oh, interesting. I didn't realize. Yeah. Um. So yeah, so turning off the, the, um, the power pretty much on his bands cuts. Uh, the the bond between the two of them, mm-hmm. and Light Master turns back into a human. Yes, and he just kind of like takes off his supervillain mask. Yeah. Uh. It's, I mean, even the characters don't understand what's going on. Like, no, he takes I, off the, the mask is it, and says, I'm human again. You must have found a way to resurrect me. I don't understand what happened.
0: I know. And then, of course, <laughs> Spider-Man just punches him out. And then right. they, it's, it's kind of interesting because then Quasar's was like, why did you do that? He was too disoriented to cause any harm. Oh, yeah, he was about to zap you. Trust me, my ever-reliable Spider-Sense warned me of the danger. And then Quasar's like, well, perhaps, but now that Lansky is corporeal again, his light suit wouldn't have made a match for my wristbands. You should know how to make a guy feel useful. Well, since you have seemed to have everything under control, I'll leave Light Master to your high and mighty hands. Bye! And then I love this where Spider-Man's like, what a bozo. I usually find something to like about most any of the Joes I sometimes join forces with. But that stuffed shirt really rubs me the wrong way. And then Quasar thinks, a strange fellow, that's Spider-Man. He acts so unprofessional, so undisciplined. Oh, well, I'd best turn Lansky over to the authorities and get on with my business. It's just a weird ending, eh?
1: Yeah. uh, I I think that... Quasar and Spider-Man could really be a fun match together if maybe they were given more time or a better story because Spider-Man does seem to be kind of like loosey-goosey with how he works and how he acts. He kind of rolls with the punches. Uh, He'll fight a villain, and then from there, he'll kind of come up with a way to defeat them and uh, upgrade suits and stuff, which I really liked that that, uh, he did in this issue. Right. Um, And Quasar is very by the book. He's very kind of like... Like, almost like a nerdy cop, like a nerdy space cop. Sure, With With exactly, he like, exactly. acts and talks. So, like, that dynamic could be really fun. It, it well, would be almost like a buddy cop movie where you have, like, the by-the-book by the cop and then the other cop that's kind of... that rolls with the punches and does whatever needs to get done to, you know, finish the job.
0: Sure. I, I also, we should also point out this is written by Mark Granwald who also... he's been writing he wrote pretty much every of all of the latter day Quasar appearances and the Quasar mm-hmm. monthly series. So like I said before, he is the adopted father of Quasar. He didn't create him, but <laughs> right. he really defined his personality. So maybe this is his commentary on Spider-Man. I don't know. Um, yeah. But um, I mean, I've read this issue uh, before and it was definitely solid, but not as good as, I mean, the issue of amazing or spectacular this month. Uh, what yeah. do you think?
1: No, I, I, I think this was the weakest one we've read so uh this for this month, right. but I also enjoyed it though like there there weren't enough like glaring flaws where I was like annoyed by anything in right, particular right. I think it was fine,
0: definitely entertaining uh the art as always by herb Trimpy, good as usual Marshall actually really liked the art. Um, And if you are interested in hearing a 36-minute review of that comic, (laughs) it's available in Quasar Chronology, number 10, on YouTube and our website. Yeah, check it out. Yeah. Okay. So now let's jump to Peter Parker, the Spectacular Spider-Man, number sixty-two. This issue is also significant because it's the first regular issue of returning writer Bill Mantlo, because he did have a run on Spectacular before Roger Stern took over. So right. Uh, we've discussed it before a little bit, but he's most famous for doing um, Micronauts. He did the Hulk for many years. He did okay. Rom yeah. Space Night. He wrote, I believe the. First or second issue of Transformers. So he was kind of their go-to guy for licensed properties. So mm-hmm. again, like I said, he's got kind of a cult following on the internet these days. Um, he wasn't really popular I- in his day when he was writing. But again, like a lot of people really like his stuff. And honestly, judging by this issue, I can see why. I really enjoyed it. What about you?
1: Yeah, I, I it felt a little bit um, old-fashioned compared to the other ones. Okay. Like it, it felt uh more on like the the corny superhero story side for me sure i enjoyed it though like i definitely enjoyed it more than the team up so i think overall it was a really good issue but it definitely had i felt like it had a little bit of a different flavor from the other two that we we read
0: sure okay so yeah well i'll summarize the story so we it's again by bill mantlow the art is by ed hannigan Mm -hmm. uh, and jim mooney and i think the art's great, personally. Mm-hmm. I, I really like the art. Um, we're introduced to a character named Goldbug, who honestly, I don't think I've ever seen before. No, I don't think um, so.
1: No. Uh, not for me, at least, yeah.
0: And so he's kind of being hired on by the Ma- Magia, who's the Marvel Universe version of the Mafia. Mafia. Mm-hmm. And um, they're giving him this assignment with... Because um, with, what is it? He can turn things into gold? I can't even remember what his power yeah, is.
1: Yeah, he can turn... He can turn things into gold with his like ray gun that he's got yeah <laughs> so i don't know why like he's super effective mm-hmm. uh yeah good question good for point. like to steal gold why wouldn't they just hire him to make gold for them
0: yeah I'm like wouldn't sure would
1: that be a better story uh-huh. <laughs> like i don't know
0: we'll see how i can't even, i just read this and i can't even quite remember how it turns out but we'll we'll uh, we'll This will refresh my memory by going through it, but basically Peter Parker is doing, again, tying in the private life, Peter Parker is doing an experiment with, um, with gold. At Empire State University. And so they're unloading a truck. I don't know if this, was, this would ever happen in real life. But they're unloading like a truckload of gold. What is it called? Gold bullion?
1: Gold, Yeah, it's gold just bars just stacks of gold yeah.
0: bars. Yeah, which again, they've got armed guards and everything protecting it. But it's just kind of funny that a university student has been given all this gold to experiment with. Right. So, and,
1: and the experiment is to just like shoot it with radiation. Yeah. To figure out what happens. Like sure. I don't, I don't quite understand what the no, but what you they're know what? trying I, to do. I think they say something like, "Oh yeah, wouldn't it be great if they're you know scientists are going to be so happy if they if they know what happens to precious metals after a nuclear war."
0: Yeah, but then like, but then he says, "But we can't speculate about what they're going to do with this information. Let's we just have to do the experiment." Ooh, so it's kinda, right.
1: Yeah. So it's like that's a kind of a bad experiment if you're just doing it to see what happens rather than like having, having like a, a reason to right. right. <laughs> yeah,
0: you know what's funny though, like to I don't want to be too forgiving, but because it's meant for kids, I I, I, just, I I'm just grateful that there is any explanation for sure. why this is happening. So again, you know, when I was growing up, watching Saturday morning. Cartoons, you know, or, or Transformers or GI Joe. I was just grateful that they even attempted to root it in the real world, you know. So I thought it was okay. I didn't mind yeah. the explanation. Um, but it's it's also kind of funny because we start off with Peter dressed up as Spider Man taking pictures of them unloading the the uh, the gold, and so the first thing that happens is he gets in trouble from his professor for being late for his own experiment, right?
1: Right. Well, actually, even before that, I love that we have like I think you you had mentioned uh, that. We we saw uh, uh, Goldbug getting the job from the right. uh, Magia, but I love that it's almost like a, a little epilogue before the story starts.
0: I believe it's prologue, right? If it's oh, sorry, prologue. Yes, yeah. you're yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I love that too.
1: Yeah, it's it. It almost feels like a cold open before we get the sure. splash page introducing Spider Man. Yep. Yeah, you know, it, it, it almost feels like an opening to a lot of the Marvel movies, where they just start and they have like the first scene, and then the Marvel logo, and then
0: sure, like the yep.
1: fanfare and introduction and everything, and then they jump Absolutely. into the movie.
0: Yeah, I love it. Yeah, it's great. Mm-hmm. Um, so then we get into um, again back to the supporting cast with Deborah Whitman, a little bit of um, you know development there with the relationship. It's almost funny because. Because Jim Mooney is such a strong anchor, he gives it that nineteen fifties look. And so at the bottom of page five, we get this shot of um Deborah Whitman looking almost at the camera. And it looks like an old romance comic, eh? Yeah. At the ri- original page five. And it's also funny because as Peter is walking away with this other girl, um what Marcy is Marcy Kane? Marcy. Marcy um, Kane, yeah. Yeah. It's just so funny because then Deborah, we can see that she's upset and kind of jealous, and then, um, and then, and then in this little caption box, we see engrossed in his discussion with Marcy Kane, Peter Parker forgets all about Deborah Whitman. She, however, is finding it increasingly more difficult to forget him. And then you know she's like, oh Peter, and then she's kind of like thinking about him. And then it's funny because then the next uh, box, the next panel, the caption actually says her thoughts borrowed perhaps from too many Gothic novels or interrupted <laughs> as Dr. Morris Sloan emerges from his office. It's just kind of funny that Yeah. it's like, it's like Bill Mantlow's acknowledging his own writing. It's kind of funny, you know, you know what I mean? Like the, the cliched yeah, for aspects sure. of his own writing. So I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah. And I, and I think
1: because this is, this feels more of like a, like closer to that classic corny, uh, superhero yeah. comic, uh, calling attention to the melodrama in it too is kind mm. of fun.
0: Sure. Rather yeah.
1: than it just kind of f- like feeling like a trope, it's playing right. into it instead.
0: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So then they start this experiment again and it's like, okay, I can't, I can't even remember what is, what is it he's trying to do? Uh gold bug. So he's got his gold ship. And is, he almost looks like Blue Beetle at this point, eh?
1: Literally, all he wants is the gold. Like, that's the only goal. Mm-hmm. Um, because, so he, he bursts in and he blasts all the police officers and turns oh. them into gold.
0: Can we point out, wait, the worst panel of dialogue oh. in this whole issue? I got to point this out, okay? You just mentioned it. So when he bursts in, he comes in through the ceiling. There's a giant shot of him kind of standing over Peter Parker's body that's covered in rubble. This is original page nine. Then the cops say, look, a guy in a gold suit coming in through the roof and he's dropped the ceiling on the kid who was conducting this experiment. Careful, he's got some kind of gun pointed straight at us. Oh, terrible dialogue. Anyway. But
1: I I think it's followed by maybe some of my favorite dialogue of the issue uh, because it's so like, it's so villainous and fun. Okay. Uh, we have Goldbug in the first panel of uh, Original 10. He says, okay. I call it my gold gun, gentlemen. Guess oh, why? Yeah. And then yeah, the yeah. next panel is them, like completely solid gold. I thought that was so, like, so fun.
0: Yes, I, that w- that is good. Yep. Yeah,
1: it genuinely brought a smile to my face because it was just like, just so cheesy, but like that classic supervillain, like yep. awful uh, catchphrase or like. Sure. Uh, line of dialogue.
0: He and great. he's having. I mean, he technically is probably killing these guys, but he's having fun doing it, right?
1: Right. Which is, yeah. I think, even more shocking when he also turns Deb uh, Whitman into into solid right. gold. Right. Um. So his spider, his his gold bug mobile, uh, <laughs> blasts off with, with the gold, and Peter Parker comes up with a, some sort of concoction that. Just makes them not gold again. Yeah,
0: I, I give him props for at least acknowledging that he is a scientist, so he he would know what how to to turn. Like he basically says, um, "Right, I need an acid solution that will melt through the gold, but won't burn this burn the skin underneath." I must mix the acid acid solution correctly and quickly. Now, first of all, if such a thing exists, it would be nice to actually tell us what it is. Right. Um. So it's kind of a cop-out to not even say what it is. Like, I don't care if you make up, di- you know, just say it's dilithium crystals, but at least make up something. Right. right. Um. Also, I got to point out, in the time it took me to read those two pages, Deborah Whit- Whitman would have been long dead. Yeah. <laughs> Let alone the fact that it's like later on, you know, Deborah Whitman would have suffocated within, like, you know, unless she took a nice breath, she'd be dead within a, a, a 20 <laughs> right. seconds, you know, like, anyway. Which I thought was kind of funny, but anyway, Deborah Whitman's fine. Mm-hmm. So now Peter Parker is going to go and track down uh, Goldbug. I also got to point out, but because Goldbug kind of reminds me of um, Blue Beetle, mm-hmm. I thought this art gave a little bit of a Steve Ditko vibe. Uh, what did you think?
1: Yeah, I could definitely see that with like the the solid colors of. Uh, uh, yeah,
0: like that's a yeah, that's it's, true because al- that's the way you- it's
1: almost like a Silver Surfer kind of thing,
0: right? But, and also just, I don't know, I, I just found the layouts and like the heavy blacks and mm-hmm. just, just like the small panels. It wasn't exactly like a Ditko book, but I just wonder if that's what they're going for. Maybe it's a coincidence. I don't know. Yeah. But, but um, we got a, some really cool storytelling on original page 14 when the mm-hmm. two guards are standing outside of the doorway. And we see, I love it when they do this, when Peter Parker crawls into the frame mm-hmm. over the course of three panels. Just so cool, you know? And then he pulls the the guy out of the frame on the the row below that. Really well done there, eh?
1: Yeah, it's really great.
0: Mm-hmm. Almost almost reminds me of Frank Miller a little bit, but of what Frank Miller was doing around this time too.
1: Right. Yeah, it does kind of feel very Batman. Yeah. To like hide in the shadows and then, uh, you know, <laughs> uh, like. Use like a grappling hook to pull a guy up and the other right. guy's like, what, where'd you go? And then he right. comes down for the other guy. I mean, even later on, on uh, page 17, when mm-hmm. Spider-Man first kind of reveals reveals himself to all of the goons and to Goldbug, he right. jumps down onto the gold Spider-Mobile sure. and uh, he's cast in shadow from like mm-hmm. the chest up. You could see the silhouette of his eyes. right. And it's it it feels very Batman, and I thought it was like a really cool uh, panel.
0: Yeah, I mean, I like Spider Man to be light, but when you go back and read those Steve Ditko early issues, it was pretty gritty. Mm -hmm. And so I do like when they make Spider Man a little bit more gritty, like this, like you know, that's why it's like even though it's almost like Amazing Spider Man is more like. The John Romita Senior issues of, of Spider Man when it was all really lighthearted. right? And this is more like the Steve Ditko Spider Man. I don't know if it was conscious, but it's kind of a nice contrast, you know. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so so go ahead.
1: Uh, I was just gonna say it's also not too dark, too like right. I think that it's a little bit more serious mixed mm-hmm. in with the the tones of like that those like old comics. So sure, I thought sure. it was a nice blend, uh, right. So I I I didn't mind it or think it was too dark, but no. I definitely see what you're saying though. Like it's it's not like Spider-Man to kind of jump down and be cast in shadow and right. He's normally kind of swinging and um,
0: right. It, I mean, it,
1: I guess he does still like do a one-liner real quick, but
0: sure. But I also I think it's also more what I'm saying is more like the way that Denny O'Neill was doing Spider-Man and the way that Spider-Man's drawn by John Romita Jr. And the way the colors are so bright, it just feels a little bit more uh, like a, of a typical superhero story. And this mm-hmm. is a little bit like just the fact that, again, it's the Magia, the Magia, the Magia, that they're involved and they're down at the docks. Like, like you said, it's a little bit more like Batman or even like The Spirit by Will Eisner. Mm, it just yeah. feels a little bit grittier, you know, and like mm-hmm. the panels are smaller. It just gives it a slightly different vibe than Amazing Spider-Man. You know? Yeah, for sure. So I definitely appreciate it. And so basically the story wraps up by Spider-Man pulling off Goldbug's gloves and revealing that Goldbug has been poisoned with radiation poisoning. And so it's kind of... And then it's kind of interesting because even though they were just fighting, he's trying to protect Goldbug, but the Magia ends up shooting him. And so again, it's kind of a... um, what is this called? A pyric, not a pyric victory, but it's like Spider-Man wins, but he kind of loses, right? Because right. He, he did want to, even though Goldbug and him were fighting, he didn't want him to die. And so that's what ends up happening in the end. So, mm-hmm. so yeah. Well, I, right. I really so the, 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 the Magia
1: ending. still gets uh, what was coming to them and the gold gets returned, but uh, he couldn't save Goldbug in the end.
0: Right. And I just love there's even just like this really nice stuff tiny skinny panel at the very bottom of the last page where and it says out of sight the amazing spider-man cleaves through the murky river his body numbed by the frigid waters his mind numbed by the lights aborted success by the night's aborted successes and failures the mm-hmm. end again i'm not saying this is T.S. Eliot, but i'm saying i appreciate it because i'm reading a comic and i'm getting some decent prose in there you know so i For really sure. surprisingly enjoy this and it, this is weird because like when I first started getting into Spider-Man really heavy, like around 87, 88, I I went back and I I bought as many of these back issues as I could. But, you know, I'm sure just like anyone, when you get into comics, you kind of create an arbitrary... I mean, unless you're going to try and collect every single issue of a a long-running character, you kind of create an arbitrary cutoff point where you're like, okay, well, I'm going to go back to this issue and I'm going to stop there. I'm not going to go back any further. Whether Mm -hmm. it's you know, the first issue by a certain writer or a certain character. So for me, it was always the first appearance of the Hobgoblin. That's where I started. Then I extended it back to, actually, this around this month, the first issue where Roger Stern took over Amazing. But I never went back and got the pre-Peter David issues of Spectacular. I did have a few of them, but I, I was just never as interested in getting those issues. And so this is almost like, you know, discovering... You know, I don't know what like episodes of Star Wars that you didn't know existed. You know what I mean? Right. Like this is a, go- a, a godsend for me to find these comics, and I'm really enjoying them. So this is oh, great. oh, that's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. So basically, so yeah, I recommend this issue too. Um, I don't know about you, but I, I'm I'm actually really looking forward to more issues by Bill Mantlaw. What about you?
1: Yeah, I, I think that all of the uh, all of the issues are starting to get better and better for me. So right. Um, I'm definitely excited. That we're maybe getting away from the uh, Denny O'Neill era.
0: Right. And also, I, I, I yeah, Marvel team up is still a little bit uneven. I'm not sure where that's going to go, but I think we're definitely headed for better territory for Spidey. Yeah, but
1: the past few have definitely been um, a little bit better.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I feel, I feel like
1: they're getting better and better. I mean, even with the, the last two, with the... Um, Doctor Strange team up was a little bit weird, but it, at least they were trying to do something new with it right? and trying to tie Spider-Man into the story. Um, I think with the Quasar one, I think he really fit into that story. Like it felt like he had a purpose to be there and was kind of there with the character. Sure. Right? Yep. Um, yep. Like I know we're going back and talking about the, another issue, the the, the other issue again, but uh, when he first bumps into him it's just because his spidey sense is going off and he checks in with him he's says like you know is everything okay mm-hmm. yeah we're all fine and then they split in part ways yep. and then uh, because he checked in on him that's how like that's where the connection came from and he just goes back to help him again so i sure. thought that you know he had a little bit of uh there there's a stronger reason for him to actually be in that story rather than Oh, we're gonna send you on this space adventure through like time and space just because.
0: Oh boy, yeah. Right. Good point. Good point. Yep. So. Yeah. So overall, a good month for Spidey. And again, like I said, this is phase two for me. So I think we're we uh, we're headed for some really good territory here coming up. Yeah, I agree.
1: I'm I'm pretty excited. I'm looking forward to it.
0: Awesome. So next week we will be reviewing Amazing Spider-Man 225 Marvel Team Up 114 with the Falcon and Peter Parker, the Spectacular Spider-Man number 63 with the return of Harry Osborn, Liz Allen, and the Molten Man.
1: So I think that's going to be it for uh, this week for Here Comes the Spider-Cast. You can check us out on Twitter at... At Comic Syndicate, and then on Facebook at The Comic Book Syndicate, um, we always post our uh, our videos and uh, the comics that we're going to be reading there. So we want you guys to go and comment and share what you think about the episodes and the issues that we're talking about too. We'd love to keep that conversation going.
0: That's right. So until next Monday, this has been Here Comes the Spider Cast.
1: All right. See you later. <laughs>